0: Dr. Joshua Woolrich is an NHS doctor, nutritionist, best-selling author of Food Isn't Medicine and founder of Weight Neutral Nutrition. He's here today to discuss all things diet culture, weight stigma, and how misinformation is harming our health. Hi, Dr. Josh. Thank you so much for coming in today.
1: Hello. That was definitely first take. No one will know
0: otherwise. <laughs> it is fine. I totally mixed my words up there, but it's all good. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> she just kept going. She we're podcast professionals it's here, real. aren't we? It's It's fine. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: All good over here. I was just saying to you that I read your book yesterday, and it is fantastic. Glad really, really good. It. I did enjoy it. Um, and it's left me with a lot of questions that I want to sort of pick your brain with. Perfect. So this is why you are here. Um, I wanted to start off on the topic of diet culture. Mm. Um, You say in the book that there's a link between dieting and eating disorders.
2: Mm.
0: Can you explain that for anyone who's not going to understand that? Because for me, when you first said it, I was like, how is... I mean, I know that obviously dieting... There's levels of extreme with dieting, isn't there? So when you say dieting... um, can sort of lead to eating disorders. Are you talking about like overeating, anorexia, or all eating disorders?
1: Yeah. So it's uh, so lead to eating disorders is a hard one to be able to say. Mm. Link definitely. Okay. Um, and because eating disorders are really complex, and we're not entirely um, we're not entirely sure the ins and outs of exactly how they occur and why they occur, but we do know certain things that can increase the risk of them occurring. Okay, Um, and we think eating disorders is a mix between genetic predisposition. Like a lot of things in life, you have a risk of that occurring, um, which is why we we are one of the reasons why we see um, increased risk of eating disorders if one of your parents has one, for example. But also, there's that environmental impact where. Um, if you have this predisposition to becoming, to, to forming this obsession around food and body image and body size, um, to a point where you control food so much that it would class as an eating disorder, then that predisposition is not going to go so well if you then introduce dieting into your life, mm-hmm. right? because you're kind of dieting, I would argue, and a lot of people would argue, is a form of disordered eating. And Disordered eating to eating disorder is a bit of a spectrum. So mm-hmm. why would you why would you poke that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a bit like having an increased risk of lung cancer because of your genetics and then choosing to smoke. Okay. It doesn't do you know what I mean? Like it's
2: yeah, it it's, makes that it's not the perfect sense.
1: analogy, but it's but you know, so so dieting in general um does seem to increase the risk of eating disorders in someone who might be predisposed to it. Yeah. Um there are lots of people who who diet and would never class as having had an eating disorder. I'm sure you, at some point in your life, have dieted. Yep. I have. The, the vast majority of people have done. I think it's some ridiculous stat, like 60% of women at any one time are on a diet and mm-hmm. a bit less for men, but it's still ridiculously high. So, And yet we still see relatively low rates of eating disorders. Um, but I do think we need to be a bit more cognizant of it, especially in kids as well. Because yeah that's kind of some of those formative years and and time when when this stuff has more risk to have an impact and people are dieting younger and younger and younger which is which is concerning
0: and in your book you mentioned that you started dieting um You started your Instagram to kind of be accountable for your diet, didn't you? Um, That was my
1: logic. Years
0: and years ago. (laughs) Um, And as a child, you mentioned that you did sort of start noticing problems with food that you were having um, Mm. down to it was kind of directly related to the diets that you were on. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, well, I, I started seeing food as a way of manipulating what I looked like as a kid Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, because I got bullied for my size and so I thought well in which case I'll just you know be smaller and then I won't be bullied anymore which didn't really work um, for multiple reasons but uh, that kind of started a bit of a trend of of having this second thought that food wasn't just enjoyment food wasn't just you know, a, a kind of a, a dinner time, a culture thing, a, an enjoyment thing, a joy thing, food became this thing that I could try and manipulate. Um, and, you know, just ended up forming these relatively disordered eating behaviors as a kid, where, because I was because I loved food, and I was hungry, and I was growing as a child, mm. um, I, uh, I ended up having periods where I would be eating less and then Periods where I'd be eating more, some of which might might have classed as binges, um, and that kind of progressed into adulthood as well. So, mm-hmm. But uh, but it started nice and young, which is always always a shame.
0: Yeah. What was the change that sort of started you to think differently that maybe this you know diets were not going to work for you and you needed to yeah think differently yeah. about it?
1: it. It was less that diets weren't going to work for me. It was more just that diets didn't really work. Full stop. Right. Um, and I don't mean from just like a basic biomechanics perspective. Obviously, if you if you stop eating, you, you, you will end up having to find the energy from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more if we look at diets long term, and we look at people's dieting behaviors long term, there's really no good evidence that that ends up in a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, the overwhelming majority of the time people put back the way on that they lost and a lot of the time more than they lost as well. Um, And I would argue that it's almost impossible to come out of the other end of that with a better relationship with food. Yeah. Um, You know, all dieting is disordered eating of some kind Mm -hmm. um, because you're either ignoring your hunger cues, you're ignoring your fullness cues, you're ignoring your desires around food You're not really preferencing taste or flavor or enjoyment. None of these things are how we're designed to to eat food and enjoy food. Mm -hmm. Um, So I came across people talking about food in a very different way. And at the time, I'd grown a bit of a following on Instagram. And my main thing, really, I, I didn't really fully understand what they were talking to me about. I didn't really fully agree with a lot of the stuff that they were saying at first. Um, cause I was kind of ingrained in my own ways of, yeah, but I'm starving myself and it's working and I'm fine. So what's the problem? Mm. Um, but I, I, the, the thing that made me actually pay a bit of attention was that I started being a bit concerned that I was giving bad advice to other people. Right. And it then developed into, hang on a sec, maybe I'm actually giving bad advice to me as well. Yes. Um, but I cared more about the harm that I was potentially causing to others Especially with my um, my role and kind of authority as a doctor, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to be risking that. Um, and fortunately, that was the way in for me. And then I realised that actually, it wasn't just about others; it was about me too. And if it wasn't if it wasn't healthy to be promoting this stuff to other people, why was it healthy to be promoting it to myself? Why was I special? Why yeah, was I different?
0: yeah, exactly. Um, which um, you know, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So in your book, there's a chapter that explains a lot about the diet cycle and how it's dieting and then there's weight gain and you mention something called leptin levels, which I had never heard of before and I feel like we have so much marketing about losing weight. You know, if you buy this, you'll lose weight. If you do this, you'll lose weight. And you speak about leptin levels in the book. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, because I don't, I had never heard of it up until now, and I'm 30 years old. I've heard about diets. I kind of understand the science mm. behind them. Um, can you explain what that is and why <coughs> it sort of leads this full diet cycle over and over again?
1: Yeah, so you're... Well, I mean, it's it's one of the factors okay. um, as to why... Um, a, a kind of a, a sustained energy deficit doesn't doesn't seem to work from a physiology perspective very well. Um, you know, putting the psychology stuff aside as well, obviously. Um, so I mean, leptin is just one of the many, many hormones that we have in our body
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that is produced by our fat cells that right. decreases our appetite. That's the top level description. Okay. Right? That's the most basic way of describing it. And it kind of makes sense if we're a species that likes to, um, have a relatively stable weight, a stable weight is good for survival. It's good for, it's good for longevity. It's good for kind of uh, the fact that we've been around for thousands of years. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as our putting everything else aside, if we lived in a vacuum, as our amount of stored fat goes up, our hunger goes down and it's kind of tries to balance things out. Mm -hmm. Um, there are lots of complicated things that affect that, that mean that it's not so simple, that it's just this one thing. Um, but over time, our body can become resistant to it. So we, it's one of the reasons why we, um, we don't just automatically feel less hungry when we gain weight um, and we tend to sit... Or we we sometimes tend to kind of reset at a higher body weight, and that's that's quite a natural thing to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, some people you might hear it talked about as kind of like a weight set point.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you may have heard that phrase, where there's a there's a rough range where everybody's um, physical body is most comfortable at, mm-hmm. um, and that can change. And it's much easier to change up than it is to change down. And leptin's one of those one of those reasons yeah um we don't become sensitive to leptin we become resistant to it so um yeah it's just one of the reasons why kind of we are we become more comfortable sitting at a higher body weight and the more and and that's not that's not necessarily something to to kind of hear about and go and and make it a problem it's more just a reality that okay well so our body actually prefers to go up in weight than down in weight and Mm -hmm. that makes sense too right going down in weight is not a good thing for survival either yeah yeah it's not it might be a good thing for societal acceptance but that's got no bearing on health or survival yeah um and so you know it's it it is it is one of the reasons why we we gain weight and we we kind of stay it that way and it's one of the reasons why it's it's not particularly healthy to be constantly trying to reduce our weight either because there's just it's one of the many factors as to why this isn't just a matter of willpower. There is a lot of physiology that's going on behind the scenes that we're unaware of. Yeah, there's influence. This
0: there's a quote in your book actually that says weight loss has never simply is never simply been a result of willpower. Treating it as such turns out our body weight into a personal responsibility, which in turn leads to over discrimination. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really interesting to hear that. The whole relationship, yeah, the the willpower word. I'm thinking about me growing up as a child and I saw my mum really struggle with food my whole life and it was sort of always on a diet and then I would see her devour like a 24-pack of Kit Kats in one go because obviously her body was just like, I need something, I need sugar. Mm. And um, I don't think I ever realised how much of an impact that had on me until I got older and I realised that I was doing very similar stuff. I don't recall ever like when I was younger being feeling on a diet. I think what I used to do was uh, what you would say is uh, intuitive eating. When I was hungry, I would eat. When I wasn't, mm. I would not. Um,
1: well, we're born being able to do that. That's that's how we do it as kids, right? Kids yeah. know when they're hungry. They know when they're they're full. If a kid's done with an ice cream, they'll give it back. They're yeah. not obsessed with oh shit. Well, it's a treat. I have to finish it. They're just like oh, I'm done. Yeah, it's a weird thing to see, but we we lose that ability as we get older.
0: Yeah, and I also remember a lot of the time being forced to sit at. The the table and finish my meal, even though I felt so full, I could be sick, which is also mm-hmm. kind of an odd concept because I loved food. So it wasn't like I wasn't eating because I was being fussy or like, you know, picky. It's because I was genuinely like I'd eaten snacks all day because <laughs> I was hungry, you know. Um, so with the intuitive eating, is that kind of the key to having a healthy relationship with food? Is that the way to go, would
1: you say? I think so. I mean, it's an opinion, right? But mm-hmm. uh, but I think if we can look towards a way of eating that that removes the effects of uh, our preoccupation with weight, removes the effects of society's influence on food, um, intuitive eating is a way of getting back to that. So mm-hmm. it, people get a bit confused as to what that means and, and kind of uh, the crux of it is that it is a it is an actual program um, and it is, a, it is a, a multi-step method of rebuilding someone's relationship with food. It was designed as such, but it's built on the premise that as kids and before we start being influenced by our fear of changing body size and getting fat, we eat very intuitively. Like, like you were saying, right? Kids eat when they're hungry and they stop when they're full. Mm-hmm. And that gets influenced very early. And and your yours was a perfect example there, right? Where where you get told, well, you have to finish what's on your plate, finish everything, even though you're full, it doesn't matter. You have to finish it. Um, that tends to start influencing some of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we get told, oh, no, no, you can't eat because dinner's coming up soon, um, even though you're hungry. So you're kind of having to delay your hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we... What What is incredibly intuitive as a baby, right? If a baby's hungry, you feed it. You don't, you don't. No, nah, no, nah, it's not 6 p.m. Yet. <laughs> like,
2: That'll be fine. Feed it. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then, and then as kids, you know, they get to a certain age and the parents are like, well, you know, but we have meal time, so they have to wait till then. Mm-hmm. Um, And there's, there's a balance to be had, obviously, right? We live in a, we live in a world that does have routine and it's not always that easy just to eat all the time, but there's some merit to be had and I have a child on the way and this is my kind of plan. There's some merit to be had to trying to keep that stuff as intuitive as possible.
0: So I kind of want to move on to fad diet, celebrity culture, all of that. Um, You're quite vocal on your Instagram and personally, these are my favourite videos that you do. Um, Before I dig into some of the videos you've done recently. Um, I am being like overwhelmed on the algorithm at the moment with things like PCOS diet, insulin resistance diet, candida diet, all of these diets that seem to be tailored for women's health. Um, Is there any truth behind any of this? Um, I see... I see a private, uh, so I have polycystic ovaries and I see a private gynecologist once a year um, just to sort of check my hormone levels and and get everything in check because it makes me a lot happier as a person when I'm <laughs> leveled out. And um, she has started mentioning recently to me about all of these insulin resistant and PCOS diets and it's like just come out of nowhere and I'm seeing it everywhere. So what's, what's your opinion behind them? Are they, can they help? Is it... Is there, yeah, is there any truth to it? I I
1: I would say 95% of the time they're utter nonsense. Right. Um we it's become a bit of a recent obsession um over the last five-ish years. Yeah. Um, to become incredibly obsessed with insulin. Um now there's there's caveats and there's nuance here. And somebody that has PCOS like yourself, you're the hormone levels when it comes to insulin will be a little bit different too yeah. if you didn't, right? Um, however, you still can't fix those through food. Yeah. You may find that certain ways of eating makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're not disordered in their habits, then that's fine, yeah. right? As long as you're not dra- like avoiding certain foods or believing that you have to have food in this order to be okay
2: mm-hmm.
1: that stuff's just not true but if you find that you feel a bit better with more fibrous veg versus more starchy carbs fine and yeah. that's not necessarily something that 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 is unrealistic anyway right yeah. um so a lot of the things that might be useful are, are are pretty universal regardless as to whether you have pcos or not yeah um but we have and i'm sure you've probably noticed become obsessed with insulin that so people are sticking glucose monitors on their arms completely unnecessarily when they do not have any problem with their glucose yeah. they're they're looking at their glucose levels after food and going well that caused a in quotes spike so i should never eat that again yeah um which is bullshit because you 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 glucose levels are meant to go up and come down yeah that's fine yeah we've been doing it for like we're we're pretty good we've been we've we've evolved and lived for a long time right before <laughs> having monitors on
0: us yeah yeah
1: exactly if we it, yeah and so if somebody is actually slightly insulin resistant that's a different thing yeah and that's a whole nother podcast of the complexities around that and what that might mean and how you can still be um uh intuitive around that and you don't have to be super dogmatic and go on a strict diet like those things are are true as well but there's more complexity there
2: yeah um, speaking
0: of insulin resistance i've seen this craze with the um azamapic uh mm-hmm. s- skinny jab is the word yeah. that it's kind of going around um one of my followers wanted to know <laughs> is it safe which i don't really feel comfortable asking but i would rather ask, what's your opinion on it? Because I am seeing a lot of celebrities talking about it and openly saying, oh, yeah, I'm taking it. I've lost X amount of weight. It's dropped off me. And it's really glorifying it for people who have no idea what the risks and also, you know, how, I mean, when you think about it, it's really odd to be taking, I might be wrong in this, but it's a pen for diabetic people, correct? For people with
1: uh, I mean drugs drugs all start in certain ways right so yeah. the, the drug was designed to help with insulin resistance okay. in in type 2 diabetics right um and it it worked it it you know we have multiple methods of trying to help with insulin resistance um but a bit like a uh, a bit like viagra its side effect has become more glorified than its intended purpose originally okay um so to 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 conclude that one Viagra was never originally designed to help with erections Viagra was designed to help um increase blood flow to the heart um okay. and they realized that it also increased the blood flow elsewhere okay um so it was a side effect during the drug trials right <laughs> right people noticed okay We're like, uh so they reported these side effects and the drug company was like mm-hmm, we could use this <laughs> market this bar- for something
2: else <laughs> yeah, and it's
1: been and it's been one of the biggest sellers for Pfizer like ever I think yeah um so uh the you know they the the jab that we're talking about is um is uh, similar um that they realized that one of the side effects was that it delayed what's called gastric emptying so when you eat there's usually a certain amount of time before the food leaves your stomach and if the food stays in your stomach for longer then you feel fuller for longer because you you know your stomach has got food in it so your body's like well i'm still full you can't eat anymore yeah um and so they realized that the drug does that Okay, And that was the method by which it helped insulin resistance because it slowed down the passage of food into the intestine and so slowed down the absorption of the glucose and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, But now it's being used as well. It's making you less hungry. So we can give it to people and cause weight loss, Um, which physiologically works. Yeah. You know, you take a drug that makes you less hungry, then you eat less. And if you're eating less and nothing else has changed, Mm -hmm. then you tend to end up in a energy deficit and you tend to lose weight temporarily
2: yeah because i imagine
1: you stop it and then well that's the question is uh do you stop the drug and that's just one question but do you stop the drug and once you stop the drug all of the evidence so far says well your hunger levels just go back to completely where they were before Mm -hmm. and you therefore eat more and your weight goes back like (laughs) uh, kind of predictable yeah. Um so the other thing then is okay, well just don't stop the drug. Uh, okay, well that's sure. So that's what some people are doing, as in it hasn't been around for that long, but that's the logic that some people are using. People are like, well, I'm just gonna take this drug forever. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. The other the only problem is that or I would see a potential problem is that um the drug trials have shown that the weight starts to go back on at about 18 months anyway, even okay. if you're still on the drug. Right. Um and again, to me, not hugely surprising because the drug is only impacting one aspect of your food.
2: Yeah.
1: Only about ispa- impacting one aspect of your eating, and a bit like a bit like weight loss surgery. If somebody, if you end up getting part of your stomach removed, which is what some people end up doing, um, you have a smaller stomach. Yeah. Uh, that's permanent. Yeah. But people's weight still goes back on. Yeah. Right. So if that's a permanent physical change to the size of someone's stomach and yet the weight goes back on, why would a drug that reduces your feeling of hunger
2: mm-hmm.
1: not have the same end result long term either? Yeah. Um, so there are other mechanisms by which your body influences your hunger and your fullness. And again, like we talked about leptin, right? That's just one of hundreds of different things that goes on in your body that. influences this stuff so so yeah the drug stops people put the weight back on because it was just impacting something temporarily if the drug is continued forever i'm uh the the weight will also go back on i don't know how much i mean it's it's going to vary from person to person but then you're on to a fact that you're taking a drug Mm -hmm. that you don't automatically need and as much as i'm a doctor and i think drugs are pretty amazing yeah um, and they definitely enhance our quality of life um you I wouldn't go on them unless I had to yeah I wouldn't go on them unless I could see a definite benefit yeah because all drugs have side effects all drugs influence things
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and this one in particular is not just influencing physically what's going on but there's going to be a mental aspect to all of this too yeah right like again we have a relationship with food we have a relationship with our body
2: mm-hmm.
1: I I would not I mean if you just think about the situation you go on this drug you you lose weight everybody praises you for it you 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 feel like you look better you buy a new wardrobe everything's happy and then the weight starts coming back on Yeah you can't put the you can't increase the drug dose yeah. like and so you then start feeling like a failure
2: Yeah
1: you then start binge eating you then start this and that and and you end up back in the same place you were physically Mm. but I'd argue in a much worse place mentally
2: than you were
1: if you'd have never done that whole cycle.
2: Yeah, that that
1: tends to be the overall argument that I I, I like to talk to people about when it comes to dieting anyway. It's like, okay, well, what happens if, well, what, like, where are you going to be in a year's time when you're back where you were? Are you going to be worse off or better than if you'd just not done this? Yeah. Like, is that a good thing?
0: The the validation that people give you when you lose weight and even if it's unintentional I'm, I'm thinking about me. Like I, I caught a parasite when I was abroad and for four months I couldn't figure out what it was but I the weight was just dropping off me and I felt so ill. Um, there was a
1: worm eating your food instead of you. Yeah and mean. like
0: yeah and honestly like the exhaustion I felt yeah. I had no energy to do anything and like I must have I don't know how much weight I lost maybe a stone and a half until finally they gave me the medication antibiotics killed off the the parasite and everyone was like god you look incredible like how have you done it oh i want to catch a parasite and i was thinking this is such an odd (coughs) mindset to have but also why am i secretly like getting validation of people telling me that it's good that i've lost weight like You mentioned at the beginning that we all have a spectrum of sort of like where our happiest weight is and mine definitely fluctuates over about a stone. So Mm. I've, you know, throughout my life, I'll go maybe sometimes a bit less and, and that's not from trying. It's just, you know, whatever's going on in my life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, oh, now... and it changes, by the way, at different times, changes during puberty, changes during menopause, changes at different ages, right? Yeah, just to clarify.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've definitely always, yeah, sort of felt that throughout my life. And it's I've never mm. stressed too much if, you know, I've put on a bit of weight here or da, da, da. as long as I'm kind of eating right. And, you know, I'm listening to my body, then that's for me I'm like that's all I really need to do um, but yeah this it, it's just it,
1: secretly challenge the word right there just okay.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to eating right you? doesn't
1: mean anything Eat, no, carry, uh, okay
0: eating for my nutritionally. Go, oh go 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 oh my god I can't get the words <laughs> right
1: <laughs> no but um, it's important because again again though this those, is, this is words, one, of, yeah, the it's one of the little things that slips through right yeah. we use these words we don't think anything of it I know and if something is right then something is wrong yeah. and what is wrong food right yeah. Anyway, sorry yeah yeah. It's just, you know. but also it's not like a
0: one size fits all, is what I'm realizing. Is
1: yeah.
0: I'm trying to do the intuitive eating, and I'm having to sort of really un, like forget everything I've been that's been drilled into me about nutrition and diet and this and that. And I have to just it's, it's literally just stopping, silencing everyone, and just listening to what your body needs and what works best for your body. Um, and since I've been doing that, after since after I've had this parasite, I think I felt a lot better in myself. Um, and like you said, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally. I'm not, you know, struggling with that relationship as much with food.
1: Mm. It makes a huge difference. I, I I have a story from when I was a, a teenager at, at school, similar to that, where I had a friend. I was, you know, we all have like friendship groups, right, at school. And there was like five of us. Um, and uh, I was kind of, I was, I was the fat one. But there was somebody who was like slightly fat in my head anyway. And so I was like, oh, it's okay, because he's part of the group too. And then he went and got really severe appendicitis. Okay. Um, and I'm like 15 maybe at this point. Um, and he spends like a week in hospital and comes back. And I'm now the only fat one. And I'm like, this is not fair. It's like, why can't I get appendicitis? I had the same those same thoughts, right? That, yeah. Which is ridiculous. Think I'm like this guy almost died. Like he had, yeah. re- He had a ruptured appendix and passed everywhere and, and you know, lovely, right? Yeah. But my head, I was like, well, that would be better. Than what? I'm, and, yeah, than
0: what I'm living. Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> than like being the only fat one in my friendship group. That's yeah. not fair. Like, and and so you know, similar to people going, "Oh, I wish I had a parasite too." Like, no, we don't. But yeah. it it kind of reflects just how much we think this stuff is important.
0: How we're prioritizing um, how we look over yeah. over your health. Like yeah. <laughs> your <laughs> actual health. Because it's not
1: about health, right? Yeah,
0: it's not <laughs> at it's all. It's never,
1: it's never, almost never about health.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on today. I could literally (laughs) talk to you for another hour. Um, I love conversations like this, and you have, yeah, debunked a lot of stuff with me today. So thank you so much. I think the listeners are going to take a lot away from this episode. Where can people buy your book? Your book is called Food Isn't Medicine. It's available on Amazon. Anywhere. Anywhere. You can get it anywhere. Everywhere. Highly recommend it. It's a great read. And your Instagram is
1: dr Dr. joshua walrich if you put dr joshua i think i've been doing enough stuff on instagram for them to It'll actually show my account nowadays there was a period where it didn't yeah. do did less and instagram was like now we don't we don't show him it's fine yeah <laughs> so. well you do a lot
0: of talking about things that are yeah um big topics i can imagine i'm the same like i get shadow banned a fair bit as well with some of the things <laughs> that i say so i'm used to it but definitely go and check his page out he um he does a lot of amazing stuff on there and yeah thank you so much for coming on today
1: All right, thanks for having me. Nice to chat.